Living Hope is a church striving to become a 21st century apostolic church. We are founded upon the belief that the Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God. We believe in the Great Commission, and we are endeavoring to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with love, mercy, and truth. Listen in as we share the Word, and that, through Jesus Christ, hope is alive. Turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Exodus, chapter 14. Amen. God is already doing a great work in this service, already doing a great work. I do want to state one thing before I read our text in Exodus, chapter 14. Uh, my wife mentioned that somebody had mentioned to her that starting tonight at 8 o'clock, there's a curfew. And I don't know, that's... I don't know if that's true or not, but if that is true next Sunday, all right, again, I've told you all we're not shutting down. We're not shutting down again. However, as long as we can, I think we need to do what we can to not bring any kind of scrutiny. So if that is the case, we will start next Sunday at 530, all right? We should be out in plenty of time, if we even if we start at 6, but I don't want the preacher to feel rushed. So... If indeed the curfew thing, I'll check into that. But if indeed that's true, we'll start at 5.30 instead of 6, all right? And we'll make sure that gets announced. Exodus chapter 14. I do want to say I'm glad to have Cameron home from, from college. Glad to have her home. She's working on getting us all straightened out there at home. She's come back from Bible college, getting us all whipped back into shape in our home. Uh, I think Herbie was home, maybe gone again. But anyway, glad Kirk. Anybody else here on vacation? He'll be back on the 19th? All right. All right. He'll be back in service on the 20th. Anybody else home from college? Make sure I don't leave anybody out. Angelita, we're glad to have you home. <laughs> She's getting her PhD and giving the pastor a hard time. <laughs> Exodus chapter 14, verse 15. I want to say again, it's so good to have all of our guests here today. Uh, Brother Christian, Sister Flo, the family, thank you guys for coming out today. So honored to have you all. Amen. Exodus 14, beginning of verse 15. The Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Amen. There's no other option in the kingdom of God. Amen. There's no other option in the kingdom of God but to go forward. But lift Thou up thy rod and stretch out thine hand over the sea and divide it. The children of Israel shall go on dry ground throughout the midst of the sea. How many of you know if God says something's going to happen, it's going to happen? Have you know that there's some things God has said about his church that haven't happened yet? How many of you know the Bible said, Joel prophesied and said, In the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. How many of you know that hasn't happened yet, but it's going to happen? And God said to Moses, your people will go across on dry ground. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I know if God said it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And Joel, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I know if God said it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And I behold, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they will follow them. And I will get me honor upon Pharaoh, upon all his hosts, upon his chariots, upon his horsemen. And all the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots, upon his horsemen. The angel of God which went before the camp of Israel removed and went behind them. The pillar of cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel was a cloud and darkness to them but it gave light by night to these so that one came not near the other all night and Moses stretched out his hand over the sea the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided Amos chapter 4 verse 13 Amos chapter 4, verse 13. For lo, he that formeth the mountains and createth the wind. 
He that formeth the mountains and createth the wind and declareth unto man what is his thought. That maketh the morning darkness and treadeth upon the high places of the earth. The Lord, the God of hosts is his name, the one that created the wind. I want to preach for a few minutes this morning on this thought. There is purpose in the wind. Amen. There is purpose in the wind. The Lord bless you. You be seated. I recognize that this title that I've given to this thought this morning, that I pray is more than a thought, but I pray is a word from the Lord, which I believe is for many that are in this building today. I believe, I understand it could have a double meaning. There's statements such as there is change in the wind. So it could be that we might look at there being, the wind is full of purpose. We could look at it that way. These, there are examples of statements that have double meanings in them. Uh, for example, there was a, a listing of newspaper articles that the article might make you look twice because of the double meaning that could be included. For example, one newspaper article said that children make nutritious snacks. Amen. Children make nutritious. Amen. I need you to clarify what you're saying there, Mr. Editor. Another, another newspaper heading article uh, the, the, the heading of that article said, a new obesity study looks for a larger test group. There, there's a double meaning in that statement. Another, yet one more, and I won't bore you all day with what I find to be humorous. The article, the heading of the article said that criminal, the criminal gets nine months in violin case. Man, that, anyway, there could be a double meaning there. So I want to preach today. I've tried to give you a little humorous relief. Some of you just aren't being moved today. You're like the tree planted by the rivers of water that said, I shall not be moved. Amen. There is purpose in the wind. I want to say thank you to Brother Roberts the last three weeks while our family was gone. He and Sister Roberts for their leadership. To every leader, every member of Living Hope, thank you. Amen. I think the church got stronger while we were gone. Thank you, Brother Roberts, Sister Roberts, for your leadership, every leader that works with them. There is purpose in the wind. There is something about the moving of the wind that is mysterious. and The power of the wind that is miraculous. In John chapter 3 verse 8, Jesus tells Nicodemus that the wind blows where it listeth. He said, Nicodemus, you hear the sound thereof. You can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So he says to Nicodemus, is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Some of you are thinking right now, my spouse must be born of the Spirit, because I can never, anyway. Translation of what Jesus was saying to Nicodemus is, the wind goes where it wants to go. You can't tell it where to go, you can't tell where it's coming from, and you can't tell where it's going, because the wind is mysterious, and the wind is magnificent. The wind is unpredictable, the wind is uncontainable, and the wind is uncontrollable. For thousands of years, Humanity has worked to harness the power of the wind. Humanity has learned that, that while we can't control the wind, if we could tap into the power of the wind, we can benefit from its might and its majesty. It was discovered that as early as 5000 B.C., there were civilizations in existence that used the wind to power and propel boats up and down the Nile River. By the year 200 B.C., the ancient Chinese had harnessed the power of the wind to be able to pump water. While the Persians did the same, they harnessed the power of that wind to be able to use it to mill grain. In the 15th century, it was understood that, that, the, 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 that they were able to utilize the power of the wind in the Netherlands. Over in Holland, they, 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 their engineers came up with this system of using windmills to be able to drain lakes and marshes. And they were able, actually the land that right now is the Netherlands and Amsterdam, that without those windmills and that technology, that entire country would be underwater. But through this technology of using the power of the wind, it is now a livable habitation. The wind carrying its dark clouds in the summer and cutting like a knife 
in the winter. When the wind whispers, it soothes and refreshes. There's nothing like a cool breeze on a hot summer day that refreshes and helps us to have the strength to make it through the day. When it blows, as we've learned, it can be profitable. But when the, when the wind begins to howl, it plunders and it destroys. The wind at its might and majesty, it leaves no prisoners. Rather, it takes no prisoners. It leaves nothing in its wake. It destroys everything in its path. It was earlier this year, at the beginning of August, at where my brother pastors in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, there was a form, a, a storm rather that formed very quickly, a storm I'd never heard of before called a derecho. And that storm settled down over the state of Iowa. And it had the force of a hurricane. But the difference is you can see a hurricane forming. Rather, that derecho, it formed in the matter of moments there. The weathermen didn't see it coming. They didn't know it was about to happen. But an unstable atmospheric pressure system created the climate for this derecho to come. And within a matter of moments, what was a calm summer day, winds began to blow up to 140 miles per hour. The church that my brother pastors suffered several, I think up to $300,000 worth of damage. Four people throughout the state of Iowa were killed as a result of the wind from that storm. Over $1 billion worth of damage were inflicted by the powerful winds of the storm. And while the movement of the wind is mysterious in that you can't tell where it's coming from and you can't tell where it's going, while its motion can be profitable because we can convert its energy through the innovations of man. And while its fury is intimidating, leaving destruction, death, and devastation, the one thing I want to bring to us today is that the scripture makes it clear that the wind is a tool in the hands of an almighty God. It is mysterious, it is majestic, but more than any of that, the wind is a tool in the hand of the mighty God that we serve. In Ezekiel chapter 37, the account of the valley of dry bones, God speaks in verse 9 to the prophet Ezekiel, and he says to the prophet, he doesn't say prophesy to the bones. He doesn't say to prophesy to the, to the dirt, the dust. To the, he doesn't say to prophesy to the church. He says, I want you, man of God, to prophesy unto the wind. I want you to prophesy to the wind, and here's what you need to say. Thus saith the Lord, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these bones that they may live. I want you to know that the wind is a tool in the hand of God. And it was through the motion and the ministry of those four winds that a valley of dry bones stood up and became an exceeding great army. I want you to know that God is still in control of the wind that is blowing. Throughout the scriptures, God establishes his authority over the wind. He demonstrates that their might and their power are at the bidding of his command. In other words, the wind can't do anything unless God lets it. The wind can't blow unless God permits it. The wind can't knock that tree down in the yard unless God gives it the liberty. Because while the wind is powerful and while the four winds are mighty, they are nothing more than tools in the hand of an almighty God. I know it's my first Sunday back, but y'all need to help me preach today because God's going to deliver a word to somebody that's going to bring you through a situation that you didn't think you could make it through. In Psalms chapter 107, verse 25, 
The psalmist declares that, that, that the Lord commanded and he raised the stormy wind which lift the waves. In other words, the psalmist said that God spoke and the wind began to swirl and it raised up the waves. And then in Luke chapter 8, we find Jesus steps to the bow of the boat and he speaks to the wind and the waves and says, that's enough. Your time is up. It's time for you to cease. And the Bible says immediately the wind and the waves ceased. Because the wind can't blow in your life unless God says it can. And when God says time is up, the time is up. Tell your neighbor there's purpose in the wind. Such a marvel and mystery to, and is the mastery of God over the winds. We find in Mark chapter 6. The disciples who had watched Jesus turn water into wine. The same disciples that had watched him turn five loaves and two fish into a feast for 5,000. The same disciples that had watched him heal the sick and raise the dead. But in this particular passage in Mark 6, they even watched him walk on water. But that's not what mesmerized them. That's not what caused them to understand there's something mighty about this man. But the Bible says in Mark 6 that when the wind ceased, that they became sore amazed within themselves. And they wondered beyond measure. They wondered why? Because they didn't know there was ever any power or any person that had authority over the wind. And in these passages that we find throughout the scripture, when he spoke to the wind and to the waves and silenced them, it was then, not when he turned water into wine. I don't know about you, but if somebody today could turn a, a bottle of Aquafina into Dom Perry, I don't even know a good name. I don't know. Somebody help me right now. Welch's, that's as close as I come. All right. If, if, even that, if somebody, could turn, if somebody could turn Aquafina into Coke Zero. I'm a believer. All right, I'm a, and I, I can turn a, a bottle of Coke Zero into an empty bottle. I've got that one down. But, but if somebody could turn water into wine, I don't need any further proof. I'm mesmerized. I am awesomized by the power. If somebody could take five loaves and two fish and turn it into a feast to feed a multitude, I'm a believer. But that's not when they became believers. But when Jesus stepped to the bow of the boat and looked at the wind and said, peace be still, and the wind shut its mouth, then the disciples said, what manner of man is this? That even the wind and the waves obey him. You need to understand the God that you serve. He's not just another God. He's not just another Lord. He is the almighty God. He has all power. I heard Oprah said recently that Jesus isn't the only way to salvation. I hate to burst your bubble, all you Oprah fans, but Oprah is wrong. Jesus is not another God. He is the almighty God. Jesus stepped to the bow of the boat and said, shut up, wind, and the wind stopped moving. And some of you are waiting for water to be turned into wine. Some of you are waiting for loaves and fish to feed you. You need to stand up today and realize your God is in control of the wind. What manner of man is this that commands the wind and the waves? Someone today, you need to understand that there is purpose in the wind. The wind does not blow unless God allows it to blow. The wind doesn't move unless he gives it permission. So that lets me know there is purpose in the wind. Then the scripture, as we mentioned a moment ago, there are four winds that are mentioned. And each of those four winds serve a purpose, both practically and symbolically. Those four winds, of course, would be the north wind, the south wind, the east wind, and you might guess the fourth would be the west wind. And of the four winds, as they're spoken of throughout the scripture, the west wind is only mentioned one time. 
The one time the west wind is mentioned, it comes to drive away the plague of the locusts that had devastated Egypt. The Bible says the plague of locusts come. At the command of God, this plague of locusts come and devours every, every ounce of vegetation that exists in Egypt. The Bible says it was such a cloud of locusts that it was darkness came. You couldn't even see through the cloud of locusts. It had devastated Egypt, but now a west wind comes and it blows the locusts away. It carries them back out of Egypt. It is a type of the mercy of God. The west wind is a mercy of God. After judgment, there will always come mercy. The south wind is mentioned five times in the scripture. The north wind is mentioned one time. Both the north and the south are in the same context. They're both favorable winds that bring pleasant conditions. It's, it's that, you know, 80s and sunny on the beaches of Jamaica, man, with, you know, and, and that, with, with, with the, uh, the, the, the jerk chicken and the rice, you know, and, and that soft wind, yeah, man. And, uh, everything is easy, man. And you almost feel that. South breeze blowing right now. I know my accent is so authentic. Some of you, oh man, are, are we in Jamaica right now? That's, that's the south wind. The north and the south wind, they are pleasant winds. They're favorable winds. The west wind is the mercy. It drives away judgment. The north and the south winds are favorable winds. And while we could spend time looking at each and every aspect of every wind, it is significance. It's significance when there's a scripture and what those winds mean for us. I want to focus on the primary wind that is presented throughout the scripture. For it is the east wind that is by far the most pervasive within the pages of the Word of God. Nineteen times in total, the, the east wind is spoken of directly. Nearly three times as prevalent in the pages of your Bible as all of the other three winds combined. And while the west wind drives away the plague, it is a type of mercy and favor of God. And while the north and the south wind usher in favorable conditions... I know we'd like to just stop there and say, okay, pastor, we're good with those three. I'm good with the mercy of God. I'm good with that gentle breeze while I've got jerk chicken on the beaches of Jamaica. I'm good with those winds. Those are good. We don't need that fourth wind. I've got to tell you today, we need every wind of God. You can't just get three of them. You've got to get all the wind of God. We must recognize today that the east wind is also a tool in the hand of the Almighty God. But when the east wind blows, its blast is anything but peaceable. When the east wind blows, its breath is hot and scorching. It brings it, 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 the contrast of on the beach of Jamaica might be in the desert of Phoenix. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been out west in the summertime in, in Phoenix, Arizona. You don't pray for the wind to blow because the wind is hotter than if the wind weren't blowing. Uh, and that is what the east wind is like. It, is a, it comes in, in, in the context of the scripture. It comes from the wilderness. Uh, it comes from a desert place. Uh, it is hot. It is scorching. Uh, it brings in its wings uh, a scourge of judgment and destruction. Listen to what the scriptures have to say about the blowing of the east wind. Exodus chapter 10 verse 13. And Moses stretched forth his rod over the land of Egypt. And the Lord brought an east wind upon the land all that day and all that night. And when it was morning, the east wind brought the locusts. Verse 15. And the, those locusts ate every herb of the land and all the fruit of the tree that the hail had not destroyed and listen there remained not any green thing on the tree or herb in the field through all the land the east wind brought locusts the east wind brought those things that devour as much as the west wind blew away judgment the east wind brought the judgment of God the east wind brought the locusts that stripped the trees of every green bud growing on their branches here's what the east wind does the east wind devours it brings an army and devours and destroys until you look at your life and you say there's nothing productive left in my life the east wind blows and fruitfulness becomes barrenness harvest becomes waste provision and supply become lack and want 
But I've got to tell you today, even as I preach on this fourth wind, that there is still purpose in the wind. That when God brings the locust into your life, God has a purpose in the east wind. I know we beg for the west wind, and we love the south wind, but let me remind you there is purpose in the wind. I I figured I would lose half the audience when I told you what the east wind was. In Genesis chapter 41, Pharaoh dreams a dream. And in his dream, seven ears of corn are blasted by the east wind, leaving them withered, thin, and scorched. In Jonah chapter 4, God sends a scorching east wind that leaves Jonah. The Bible says Jonah wished that he was dead rather than alive. Can I tell you that is what the east wind does. The King James Version called the wind that came across Jonah's path a vehement wind. The east wind is relentless. The east wind is unforgiving. The east wind finds everything in your life that is vulnerable and it consumes it. The east wind finds everything in your life that can be shaken and it shakes it until there is nothing left. East wind is scorching. The east wind might leave us praying like Jonah. I wish I were dead rather than alive. Uh, The conditions of my world right now are such, I don't know if anybody, if the enemies whispered that prayer into your mind, uh, but I've had to rebuke that thought more than once in the last few months uh, that I'd rather be dead than alive. Uh, I'd rather be in heaven than I would be fighting the battle on this earth. Uh, Amen. That's what the east wind will do uh, because it's relentless and unforgiving. The east wind is scorching. The east wind withers dreams and dries up vision. The east wind left seven ears of corn withered and wilting. And Jonah wishing he was dead rather than alive. But there is purpose in the wind. Still with me, say amen. This is one of the most discouraging sermons I've ever heard. Oh, I'm not even done yet. In Job chapter 1 verse 19... One of the servants bearing bad news comes to Job and says, Thy sons and daughters were eating and drinking in their brother's house, and a great wind came from the wilderness. Anybody want to guess what wind that was? This great east wind came and smote the corners of the house, and it fell upon your children, and they're all dead. Commentaries confirm that this wind coming from the wilderness was, in fact, an east wind. The east wind turns life into death. The east wind turns joy into sorrow. The east wind turns hope into disappointment. And even in the midst of that, give me a minute today and we'll turn the corner. But there is purpose in the wind. Even when the wind comes and knocks down the house and destroys everything important in your life, there's still purpose in the wind. Some of you are going to bail out too early on me. I've got a promise coming for you in a few minutes. Don't quit on me now, all right? Psalms chapter 48, verse 78 says, At the east wind, the psalmist said, It is with the east wind that God breaks the ships of Tarshish. The ships of Tarshish were merchant ships. They were trading ships. They were ships that would travel carrying goods from and supplies from one port to another. And, and, and the psalmist said that the east wind destroys these ships of merchandise. Uh, Ezekiel 27 verses 25 through 27 tell us that the east winds will destroy those ships of Tarshish. Uh, and their riches and their merchandise and the mariners uh, and all the occupants of the ships uh, will fall into the midst of the sea. It was an east wind that moved Paul's ship off of Chorus. Uh, and they ended up in a shipwreck uh, Because of an east wind, can I tell you what the east wind will do? It will mess up all of your plans. It will destroy things that you thought you couldn't live without. It will get rid of things that you thought you couldn't survive without. And yet, there's purpose. I will tell you today that the east wind is blowing. Ears of corn are thin and withered. Small businesses shutting down. People wondering, how are we going to make it? 
things don't turn around quickly, how are we going to make it? How are we going to end? Me? How are we going to make ends meet? How are we going to make it through this time? The ships of merchandise are splintered and scattered, and I know that likely many of you are about tired of preaching that talks about everything that we're going through in 2020. And to be honest, I'm about tired of preaching about it. I'm tired of talking about it. I'm tired of thinking about it. I've never in my life been more committed to staying up to celebrate a new year than I am this year. You know, normally I'm like, yeah, no big deal. I'm going to bed at 10. I'm old. It's just superstition, but I'll try anything this year. I'm going to put on a rally cap. I'm, I'm going to put on lucky socks. I'm going to try everything. This Amen. Be in 2021. When that clock strikes 0001 of 2021, I'm, I'm, we're going to have a party in my house. I cannot wait to see 2020 fade into the distance. I told my wife and daughters the other day, we are putting so much pressure on 2021. I mean, 21 better start off really good. But here is what I know. That while we like the favor of the west wind, while we like the mercy of God that drives away the judgment, while we live for those west wind moments uh, and the calm that comes with the north and the south winds, we've all been in church uh, when that south wind began to blow in our services uh, and the refreshing and the renewal comes uh, into our spirits. Uh, but let me remind you today, he is not just the God of the north wind. He is not just the God of the south wind. He is not just the God of the west wind he's not the god of three winds he is the god of the four winds and it took all four winds to turn a valley of dead bones into a mighty army and i don't think god is finished with his church god's not finished with your dream god's not finished with you but we've got to have a revival Somebody open your mouth and prophesy. Come on, four winds, blow in this place. See, that's why some of you are going to go into 2021 spiritually withered and depleted. It's because you want a three-wind revival in your life. You only want mercy and favor, but you're not willing to let God strip some things away. And so you're going to live bankrupt in 2021. Come on, West Wind. Come on, South Wind. Take me back to Montego Bay. Come on, I want, Pastor, give me the North Wind. Preach some North Wind sermons to me, Pastor. But I'm here today to tell you, don't worry. God has got a purpose in the East Wind. And we need a four-wind revival. We need a four-wind revival. We need dead bones to turn into mighty armies. We need dead families to be revived and renewed. Do you trust him? Do you trust him to be the God of the four winds? Come on, I'm not getting the help. If I told you, if I put a few rhymes together, a few riddles together, and started preaching to you in some rhythmic motion, you'd be shouting right now. But I'm just going to ask you simply, do you trust God? Do you trust God? Do you trust the east wind? Are you... Do you trust him enough to bring the locusts into your life? Do you trust him enough to knock down the corners of your home and take things you thought you couldn't live without? He is the God of the four winds. And I don't understand how it's all going to work out. But the same God, after he said to the east wind blow, and they brought locusts in, it's the same God who said, okay, east wind, you had your day. Now, west wind, get those locusts out of here. And the same God, amen, the same God that caused the west wind to blow the locusts out of there, he is the God of the east wind. There's purpose. Tell somebody next to you there's purpose in the wind. Am I preaching to myself today? Oh, I am, I am, I am. 
But I hope I'm preaching to more. How many of you be honest today and say you feel the wind? This isn't just a wind that's hitting our nation. This is a wind that's hitting our families. It's the wind that is hitting our faith. It's the wind that's hitting us as individuals. If we're not careful, we, we put up barriers and we don't let the east wind do what God intended it to do. And we pray, God, we need a west wind to blow. We need a south wind to blow, Lord. God, we need your favor and we need your mercy. But maybe, just maybe, God is saying there's a purpose in the east wind. Take your guard down. There's some things in your life that I've got to get rid of. There's some things in your life you're not ready for a promised land. You're not ready yet for a promised land. You're not ready for a west wind. You're not ready for a south wind. First, I've got to bring an east wind. And the Bible says in Exodus chapters 12 and 13, the children of Israel come running out of Egypt. I ran out of that grave. How many of you remember when Jesus brought you out of this world? Come on. How many of you remember when God put your marriage back together? Delivered you from drugs and alcohol. Delivered you from gambling and delivered you from nicotine. Delivered you from a perverted way of thinking. How many of you came running out of that grave? Get me out of Egypt. I don't want to be in this world anymore. Thank you, Jesus, that you brought me out of Egypt. I worry about people that linger as they're leaving Egypt. Lot's wife. I worry about Lot's wife. God's trying to bring Lot's wife out of destruction and she's looking back, wondering what I might be missing out. I worry about people that don't run out of the world. When the blood of Jesus starts flowing at an altar and they linger in their pew, I worry about people that the power of God starts moving and they sit there like a bump on a log. I worry. You better run out of Egypt. You better run out of this world. This world has nothing for me. They come running out of Egypt. The, de- the, the Bible says, there, there's, anyway, the, just take my, they come, you can read about it. They, there's a lot of things they couldn't even take the time to do. They didn't have time to prepare certain things. They just ran out of Egypt. The death angel is swept through the land, and a great cry, the Bible says, goes out of Egypt. Pharaoh calls for Moses and Aaron and says, get out of here. Take your wives, your children. It wasn't hide your wives, hide your children. Take your wives. If you don't know what that was about, ask somebody. Somebody knows. Take your wives, your children, your flocks, your herd. Take everything that looks and smells like you and get out of here. And the Bible tells us that the children of Israel depart from Ramses to Succoth and to, from Succoth to Pi-Haharoth. And yes, I almost got the Holy Ghost there. But if you will look at your Bible atlas, you will find that when they left Egypt... It was a due east path that they took. They headed out of Egypt due east to the Red Sea. And the Bible says at the 14th chapter of Exodus, they come up against the Red Sea and they begin to camp there. And the Bible says they look back to the west and they see a cloud rising in the west. And they begin to to talk among themselves and they say, Pharaoh and his army are coming. Hey, Moses, what are you doing, buddy? Pharaoh and his army are coming back. Here's what they say. We would have been better off Back in Egypt, some of them, they get it down in their heart. They start looking west. They were headed east, but now they start looking west. They start wanting what's in Egypt. God's bringing them out of Egypt taking them on an eastward journey, but they're looking back west. They're wishing, I wish I could go back and be a slave in Egypt. Rather than dying in a wilderness, at least I could be a slave in Egypt. They start looking west. They start leaning west. They're headed east, but they start leaning west. They start wanting what is back in Egypt. And I'm preaching to people in this building right now that the lamb shed blood so that you could come out of Egypt. Come on, you're in this building today standing here on lamb's blood. (laughs) 
and yet you can't get your eyes off of Egypt. You can't get your eyes off of what's back west. You've got that pioneering American spirit where they said, go west, young man. Some of you letting the devil get in your ear, uh, telling you go back to Egypt. Uh, go back to what God, you better cut ties with Egypt. I'm going to say it again in the Holy Ghost. You better cut ties. Some of you are trying to be godly and live in Egypt at the same time, and it will never happen. You better get as far as Egypt from Egypt as you can get. Looking west. I don't know where west is. That way. Looking west. Good. I was already doing that. I'm going to start preaching this way. Looking, looking west. They started looking west, man. Back in Egypt, we had leeks and onions. Back in Egypt, we had flesh pots. Back in Egypt, man, it was good back in Egypt. Now, here we are in the middle of this wilderness. We're in camp. We got a Red Sea behind us. We got Pharaoh and his army coming after us. And they turn away from the direction God is leading them, and they get their eyes back on Egypt. They're heading west. And the Bible says that as they're looking west, something begins to rustle in the bushes. Something begins to stir in the, in the leaves of the trees. And this, this east wind begins to blow. That east wind begins to blow. And it wasn't some little south breeze on the banks of Jamaica. It was a vehement breeze. It was a hot blasting air. And if you've never been out, anybody ever been out west in the middle of a dust storm? Out east we get a storm and, you know, we watch out for falling branches, you know. A uh, tree maybe, you know, lightning. Okay, those are all bad. Don't, don't, I'm making light of those. But out west, you get, you get the wind begin to blow, and that dust starts kicking up. You, you, you've got to barricade yours. That dust will get in your eyes. It'll get in your ears. It'll get in your mouth. It will blind you. It will pelt you. You've got to get in out of And so that there they are looking west. And God says, I can't have them going back to Egypt. And the only thing that's going to keep you from looking in the direction that you're going is I've got to bring an east wind. I've got to bring in a wind coming from the east. I've got to bring a wind coming from the west and heading eastward so that I can get you focused back on where you're going and not where you came from. I'm preaching to some of you in this building right now that God has a promised land for you, but you can't get Egypt out of your heart. preaching to folks that are living on lamb's blood you ought to be thanking God for bringing you out but instead you're looking for ways to get back in you might have come you might have gotten out of Egypt but you haven't gotten Egypt out of you already like the Israelites you're plotting and you're planning how can I get back to Egypt and so in 2020 something began to rustle in the bushes the leaves on the trees begin to stir because God is looking at a church throughout this world that looks more like Egypt than it does a promised land. God is looking at a church that is more carnal than it is spiritual. More worried about what time the football game begins than what is God going to speak to my soul today. More worried about things going on outside these doors than manna that God has prepared for you on this Sunday. I'm talking about a 2019 church. We didn't realize it, but we were saturated with carnality. Come to church on Sunday. Looking over into Egypt. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for bringing me out of darkness into you. Man, it looks so good back in Egypt. I still got my friends. I still got my Egyptian friends. I can still go hang out. I can worship on Sunday and hang out on Friday. I got the best of both. Something's rustling in the bushes. 
God, what is 2020 all about? God, why, why it feels like the locusts have come and devoured anything in my life that was profitable. God, do you even know what's going on? Do you even realize I feel like my life is like those ears of corn that have been withered. I've lost things that I never thought I could live without. And God's. God is saying, I know, I know, and that's why I sent the east wind, because if I didn't, it was only a matter of time before you ended up back in Egypt. Some of you have been leaning west for a long time. You come to church and you look the part of a Christian. You come to church and you play the part of an apostolic. But if we caught up with you on Monday or Tuesday, you're leaning toward Egypt. Your life is leaning toward Egypt. Your family is leaning toward Egypt. And God, out of his mercy, said, I've got to send an east wind. Because if I don't, you're going to end up back where I brought you from. I hope some of you are getting the point of what God's been trying to do this year. I hope we don't have to go through this again. I hope we don't need another year just like this one before we finally wake up and understand the problem is I've been looking back toward Egypt. The problem is the church looks too much like Egypt. The problem is we're more carnal than we are godly. And God has sent an east wind. Oh, we want to apologize for holiness, do we? The devil is a lie. God, I'm asking you to send an east wind into this church. God, for every person in this church that thinks we need to apologize for holiness and separation, I pray God will send an east wind. What has happened is you become mesmerized with Egypt. All right, I got 1% of you helping me right now. If you think I'm going to stop preaching because there's resistance, you got another thing coming. I'm telling you right now, there is an east wind that is blowing. And the purpose of the east wind is bow to get your family headed in the right direction. God is not interested in your Christian performance. If you come to church and lift your hands and you go back home and you engage those hands in sin, it is worth nothing. We're walking to the west wind. Oh, God, what's going on? I can't even barely see where I'm going. God, I know, I know it's because I'm, I'm the, only, the only way you can handle a dust storm is you've got to put your back into that. You've got to put your back, and that's what God is trying to do. He said the east wind is a tool in my hand because I've got to get my church headed back in the right direction. I need a church that's not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I need a church that's not ashamed of holy living. I need a church that's not acting godly on Sunday and like the devil on Friday. I'll preach as long as you need me to. I've been on vacation for three weeks. I can preach all day. I'll preach until you get the point. How's that? Some of you are walking in the wrong direction. There's a purpose in the east wind. Lord, I thank you for the east wind. I thank you, Lord, that when it was in my heart to go west, I thank you, Lord, when my eyes were turned back toward Egypt, out of your mercy you sent an east wind. Out of your mercy you sent the locust. Because, God, if you hadn't, I might never have left Egypt. If you hadn't sent the locust, I would have just lived in Egypt happy to be a slave, happy to be in bondage to sin. Come on, are you tired of the sand in your eyes? Are you tired of that scorching vehement wind that's seemingly devouring everything precious in your world? Everything you thought you couldn't live without, God is, God is still in the God of the east wind. It didn't happen without his permission. It didn't happen without him allowing it to happen. But it's time for you to turn around. Oh, 
Holy Ghost is trying to speak right now. The Holy Ghost is trying to speak, trying to reach for somebody. Stop praying for the west wind and let the east wind do its work. Stop asking God to send a west wind. Come on, some of you need the Holy Ghost to begin cutting some things out of your life that don't belong there. You're trying to serve God and them and at the same time and you can't do it, it doesn't work. And you wonder why do I always feel so irritated? Why does it always feel like I've got sand in my eyes? It's the mercy of God trying to get you headed in the right direction. you raise your hands with me. I'm almost finished preaching. Some of you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want God. I ask God not to tell me specific things. I don't want to know. It's not my business unless he tells me, then I guess it is. But some of you know that you've been looking back to Egypt for a while. You came running out of Egypt for a while now, you've been looking back to Egypt. When God first delivered you, you were thankful. Stuff's gotten in your spirit to now you're starting to miss some stuff that you left behind. You would gladly go back to being a slave to the sin that, if you remember correctly, was killing you and destroying you. But if you had the opportunity right now, you would walk out these doors in a heartbeat and go back to what you were. So God has sent an east wind. And some of you don't even know it, but if it weren't for this year, you wouldn't be in the church right now. You don't even know it, but if it weren't for the resistance and all of the, all the things that we faced this year, you had plans to go out and give your life back to Egypt, but, but the east wind messed your plans up. You would have gone on vacations where you would have fallen into sin. God sent an east wind. East wind, the Bible says, blew all night. Hot, dry. Just imagine a furnace being turned on. I don't know. I don't like sleeping like that. I like a fan on. All night, sand beating against their tents, if they even had them. Sand blasting into everything. They're miserable. They're sweating. Sleep is impossible all night. And I know it's easier to sleep when the west winds are gently blowing. Blowing up off of that Red Sea, the coolness of the sea coming up on us. I know it's more comfortable when the gentle south wind is whispering. But there is a purpose in the east wind. And the Bible says that all night while the east wind was blowing... Chapter 14, verse 21 says that all night those east winds blew. And it was that dry, hot air that all night where they were sleeping, it turned that muddy Red Sea river bottom into a highway. All night long, where they, all that wind they were complaining about, all that hot air they were complaining about, what they didn't know is right in the middle of their misery. God was preparing a highway for them. God was making a way for them to walk across on dry ground. Let me tell you what God's doing right now. He's preparing a highway for his church. I know it's miserable. I know it's hard to get any rest. I know you can't find peace. But the riverbed is drying up. The riverbed is getting harder. And God said, I've got to send an east wind because if I don't, what you're about to walk into, you'll get stuck in. If I don't send an east wind, what you're going to walk in tomorrow, you won't be able to handle. So I've got to send an east wind so that you can stand on what you would have sunk in. Yeah. 
Right now, God is preparing the conditions for your family to walk further than you would have been able to walk, to walk on things you never would have been able to stand on. Come on, somebody stand with me and give God praise. I don't know how long the east wind is going to blow, but what I do know, Brother Bo, is when the east wind stops blowing, there's going to be a highway for the church. The prophecies of Joel are going to come to pass. Some of you right now, if you tried to walk across right now, you would get stuck. You're not ready for it. You're not mature enough. If God tried to do in your life what he's planning on doing, if you tried to go right now, you wouldn't make it halfway. You're crying, God, please, this miserable, I'm tired of it, it's uncomfortable, sand everywhere. Would you, would you start dealing with my pastor? He's irritating me. Hot air, can't get any rest, can't find peace anywhere. All the time God is saying, trust me. I know you don't see it right now, but under the cover of the night, the Red Sea is being parted. I know you don't see it right now, but I'm, I'm making a way for you in the middle of the wilderness. I, I know you don't know it right now, but what you would have sunk in, you're going to stand on. What you would have wallowed in, you're going to walk across. God, The very thing you've been complaining about is God preparing a great future for you. I feel the Holy Ghost so, so strong right now. Come on, somebody in this place. You've asked God to take away the west wind. You think God is finished with you because you've lost a few things this year. Because the, the ears of corn are withered and they're not fruitful like they used to be. Because the finances are tighter than they've ever been. And you think God's finished with you. There is a purpose in the wind. Somebody in this building that you've been leaning west, you need to run down to this altar right now. Somebody in this building, you've been looking back at Egypt wondering, how can I get back to what I used to be? I'm asking you, don't wait for 2021. Right now. With sand in your eyes. With sand in your hair. With sand caked all over your body. You need to run down to this altar and let the east wind do what God intended it to do, and that is turn you around. If you go back to Egypt, you will die there. If you go back to what you used to be, you will die there. The lamb will only be slain one time. Looking unto Jesus. Oh, looking unto Jesus, let that east wind, let that east wind lead me to a promised land. Let that east wind lead me to a Red Sea. I see a crimson stream of blood. I'm asking young and old I'm asking I don't care how long you've been in the church I know what I feel in my spirit some of you are looking back to Egypt you're longing for the leeks and onions of Egypt and it's the mercy of God that is irritating you right now that is trying to turn you around because God is not finished with you God is not finished with you. He's going to take care of that Red Sea. Don't worry. One hour from now, 24 hours from now, things are going to be totally different, but you've got to trust the east wind. You've got to trust what is making you miserable right now. It's making a pathway for you. I need somebody to run to this altar right now and begin to cry out to God. 
Oh, God, let the east wind do its work in my life. It's irritating me. It's scorching me. It's dry and miserable. It's uncomfortable. But, God, if that's what needs to happen, let it blow. Let it blow through the day. Let it blow through the night because you're preparing a highway for me. Did you pray with somebody there by that one you're praying with, God is preparing a highway for them. Not yet, not yet. It's, it's not there yet, but it's, it's in the process. When God says, that's enough. When God says, okay, east wind, that's enough. You will walk across on dry ground, and your enemies will be consumed behind you. I need you to pray with one another right now because you can't wait until the east wind stops blowing to trust God, you've got to trust him Well, there's sand in your eyes. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without really knowing the exact path it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. So be sure to subscribe and watch us on Facebook Live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And also visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait.